just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and I'm sitting here with Mr. Matt Stewart and Miss Jess Perkins. Hi Dave. Hello Hi Jess. How's Dave. It going? Hello Matt. I'm good thanks Matt. How are you? I'm really good thanks. Just flew in from Brisbane this morn. Oh, and, and how tired are your arms? Ah, uh, their body, yeah, they're real tired. Yeah, you, for some reason you just put them above your head for the two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's weird. It's a weird thing. I like, do. sir, please put your arms down. I won't. <laughs> trying to get the the pilot's attention. He's not looking at I have me. A, I have I'm a trying question. to take over this plane. <laughs> yeah, my question is, can I take over this plane? <laughs> I'm going to need a million dollars. And some cool shades. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> met so many cool listeners again. I mean, there was a whole bunch. I reckon about a, a good quarter of the crowd last night were do go on listeners, or think, at least do go on listener related. Do you think that they were one big group, or they were just? Happy yeah, to... they were one big group. There was about, I think there were a group of about eight, no, or ten, or twelve, twenty, fifty, three hundred, one quarter of your twelve hundred, three hundred thousand. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. There were there were a few different groups, but one main group, and they we chatted to them after we being being me and them. Mm-hmm. Oh God, nice. so they, they talked amongst I'm themselves. I'm so tired. My arms and and the rest of me Brain. is very tired. Brain's tired. So we normally start off the show 
uh, Dave and Jess with a question to get us on topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of us does a report about a different topic every week. This week it's Jess's turn. Dave and I don't know what the topic is. And Very excited to find out. Jess is going to ask us a question. That's going to get that's, us onto the that's topic. That's exactly it. My goodness, let me stop you there and just say that you said what I couldn't say so succinctly. <laughs> that maybe that will be your new job, Matt, to explain what this shit is. And may I just make one minor adjustment to it? You say, you know, well, we take turns doing the reports. Two of us write questions. One of us always forgets. And this week is no exception. So I will ask you, gentlemen, who is the limping lady? Oh, Sadie, the, the limping, limping lady. <laughs> oh, it's early for a sing-along, but I like it. Limping. That was John Farnham's first ever number one hit single. Sadie. I learned that like two days ago. The cloud lady. How out? What about um? <laughs> it's not right, is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> was it the woman that uh, Tonya Harding bashed with a leg, <laughs> with a steel pipe? No. She would have limped. The leaning lady. It's a it's a nickname, obviously. The leaning lady. Isn't the leaning tower of pizza? Oh wait, what was Didn't it? Again? Limping. Oh, limping. Yeah, that's why. That's why limping that woman would have limped. Lady. Yeah. She got bashed in the leg. That's not who I'm talking oh, about. It's gonna be like something weird, like the Statue of Liberty or something like that. Is it the Statue of Liberty? No. Because if it is, that's my answer. <laughs> it's not. Uh, so any, I'm guessing any, it was not Any further clues? Are we likely to get this or should we just wrap it up? Uh, probably. Wrap up the whole show. Probably not. It does kind of link back to a former episode that we've done. Oh, the linking lady. But it might not, <laughs> it might not be a name that rings a bell oh, to you. Oh, the limping man. <laughs> yeah. Bigfoot. Bigfoot. One foot was big. The other was regular size. Very difficult to walk. Really tricky for balance. But he gave it a red hot go. Just like the guy on the Simpsons episode in the Australian one where he gave him a little boot up the bum. <laughs> He's wearing the giant boot. So, yeah. Such fun, huh? No. Get the Simpsons reference out early. Yeah, Just good. Getting it out. Who are we talking about, Jess? We're talking about Virginia Hall. No, nah, never would have got that. The limping Virginia Hall. No. <laughs> Did not know. Ah, Virginia, the original state. Which uh-huh. isn't true, I don't think. Someone hmm. told me later. So this report is about a, a fun community hall in Virginia. <laughs> and I'll tell you about the uh, rental cost. <laughs> when the, the yeah, well, I imagine it's quite hard. Using... High. Wonder what the rental yield would be if you bought a building like that. What? It, what's interesting about this lady, apart from obviously her her walking troubles? Well, how about I uh, bloody tell you? Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. This was uh, suggested by Rowan Clayton and Kevin Peck. Packrad. Um, wow, Packrad. Packrad. Um, so thank you very much for your suggestion. Do they suggest I, it separately or is they like a, they came in together? I'm pretty sure separately, but maybe they conferred oh, before be nice. emailing or filling out the form. Um, uh, I put this because obviously the Patreon listeners vote on my topics at the moment and uh, I put this one out a couple of weeks ago uh, when International Women's Day was happening. So I, I put out four options of... Limping women, different <laughs> badass women, um, and and the people voted for Virginia. So I'll tell you a little bit about her. Cool. She was born in Baltimore on the sixth of April in nineteen oh six, and her parents were Barbara Virginia Hamill and Edwin Lee Hall. Um, there isn't a lot of information about her early life. Uh, she was quite an adventurous child. She enjoyed being outdoors, hiking, hunting, horse riding. Um, her family were pretty well off. They were very comfortable. And her father owned a cinema in Baltimore. Wow, that's isn't that, a laugh. Isn't that not like everyone's dream? To have a dad that owns a cinema. To have a dad. Yes. Yeah, to have a dad. Full stop. Stop oh, right there. That's my dream. 
Sasha wanted dad. And I'm living it. Living and, it every day. And I want him to I want him to own a cinema, but I mostly want it so that I get popcorn. It, oh, that so would what be... do you do? I mean, you could just make that simple and just wish for a dad who has popcorn. Has popcorn. My dad doesn't have popcorn. Popcorn well, factory. Makes sense. You go to the cinema then. I go to the cinema for cinema popcorn. Wish. I go to the cinema to get what my dad cannot give me, which is popcorn. No job. And three hours of entertainment. Blockbusters. <laughs> you go to see some epic films. Yeah, they're long. That's too long for me. <laughs> you don't have the attention span. I'm checking my time. <laughs> Yeah, two hours in, I'm thinking, let's wrap this up, guys. <laughs> all right, we Come get on. it. The aliens. We get it. There's we'll, two we'll kings. Things. We're going to beat them all. There's a troll over there. We well, get it. Who cares? He'll have his axe. Radio. Whatever. Gandalf something. Yeah. And my axe. Yes, Jess, and your axe. All of it's in there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The film goes for so long because 90 people own separate axes and talk about it. <laughs> Stop singing songs. I don't care about goblins. <laughs> Never seen a lot of the rings. Just. I think we might have mentioned a few different yeah. ones in the trilogy and that, that probably broke some people's brains. Yeah, some people are very mad at you right now. Um, so Virginia graduated high school in 1924. And her, oh, wow. A, lot a, of, a good year. A good year. A lot of her classmates were looking ahead to getting married and having children. You know, it's the 20s. Um, however, she believed that the only way for a woman to get ahead was through education. Yeah, they didn't have heads back then. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it. As soon as I said it, I was like... Oh, you pieces of shit. Just give Matt a little low-lying fruit there. He'll grab (laughs) onto that. I'll uh, I'll, I'll clasp any any fruit. I don't care if it's underground. (laughs) It's been rotting on the ground for three months. I'll get it. Um, Her dream was to be a foreign services officer. She wanted to be a diplomat. Um, Oh, and if she wanted some sort of immunity... Mm. What would that sound like? I think she would have something along the lines of diplomatic immunity. <laughs> Fantastic. Also haven't seen that film either, but I love it every time. I can't tell why that laugh, Matt, if it was good or terrible. It was some mix of the two. <laughs> you know what? That's I feel that's my comedy. It's a mix of good, good and, and terrible. terrible. Not great and terrible. So, anyway. <laughs> That'd be awful. Great and terrible. Ooh, too many peaks, too many troughs. <laughs> and it was a flat line that little bit. Good. That's good. That's me. Real up and down. <laughs> but not too up. Not but, but very down. Very down. Um she studied uh at the Roland Park Country School and thereafter attended the renowned Radcliffe College, which was an all women liberal arts college in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, it it was the female coordinate to the all male Harvard College. Um, oh, yeah. And Radcliffe College was had a really popular reputation of having um, a particularly intellectual, literary, and independent minded student body. So it was a university for women, but um, you know it was probably a little bit more liberal. Um, and then there was kind of this non merger merger agreement with Harvard, which was signed in nineteen seventy seven. And the two schools were fully integrated only in 1999, which wasn't that long ago, where like Harvard You're and right. Radcliffe became one. Right. What's it called now? Harvard. Right. Uh, they took the uh, took the husband's have you, name. Have you heard of Harvard? L. Woods goes there in Legally Blonde. I'm going to say, who the hell is L. Woods? Which I watched recently. That's one. Fuck, it's good. And that is their biggest claim to fame yeah. so far. I mean, it... Legally Blonde really put Harvard on the map. Oh, amazing. Before that. It was like, Hawa? <laughs> <laughs> I hate <Hawa>? myself. 
She also attended the prestigious um, Barnard College, which is a private women's liberal arts college in New York. Barnyard College. But, yeah. <laughs> couple, of, couple of cows. She studied farms. <laughs> Gardening. Her, her professor old man, McDonald. <laughs> With a woof, woof there. <laughs> um, no, she studied French, Italian and German. She had a real aptitude for languages and she became fluent in, in those. And she also understood Russian, I read as well. So she was really good with languages. She moved across um, Europe with the support of her parents and studied in Germany, Austria and France. So by this time it's 1926 and to allow a young woman to travel overseas unescorted was pretty radical and unheard of. Like her parents were kind of people like, oh, can you do that? But they were like well-read and well-educated people and and it just sort of seemed like the right thing for her to do. So off she went. Um, So she went to Paris and from there she went to Vienna uh, and she graduated um, armed with... She was, again, fluent in French and German, and she earned a diploma in economics and international law. So she's pretty she's pretty smart. Um, she then came back to the US to make her first application to the Foreign Service. First her dream job. Yeah, dream job. She's come back. She's studied. She's got all the, the bits and bobs that they need. Right. A brain. Then, yep. A what head, are the bobs? A student body. Student body. <laughs> But yeah, she pretty much put herself a whole Frankenstein set up together. Frankenstein's yeah. monster, so university yeah. calves. Yeah, she's got it all Promise from the cool. barnyard. I yeah. think the calves would be from the. That's uh... good. <laughs> well done. Yeah, that, I wasn't that even going good? for that, but you just transformed that into. Imagine that your lower legs are baby cows. <laughs> Isn't that good fun? Isn't that a good funny that age? Is fun. Hey, it's all a little fun when they're young, but then they grow up into big cows. And then when people adopt animals, they just don't often think that. And when people replace their calves with calves, they don't think about the big picture. Yeah. When suddenly you've got an 800 kilo cow on each leg, <laughs> it's very difficult. It's yeah. hard to walk. It's hard. Near impossible. But not impossible. And that is how she got her limp. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you just make the cows walk for you and you just ride them? You'd be astride the cows. <laughs> Jeez, you'd want Forward. Them to, you'd really want them to go in time with each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One, one goes one way. Oh. That's why sheep are better because they always move together. <laughs> yeah. True. You want a herding animal. Yeah. Do you know what's even better an option? Legs. Okay. Okay. Like what? What from what animal? Humans. Mm-hmm. Just Can't, human I, calves. Oh, like, like rhinoceros legs. No, no. Oh dear, dear, no. <laughs> you boys, you mm. fucking morons. <laughs> <laughs> Great calves, though. Great, <laughs> Great calves. calves. So, yeah, she wants to um, – she's applying for the Foreign Service and the exam consists of three parts. First is a written part, which tests their knowledge of world history, sociology, all things that sort of have to do with world events. Second portion tested the applicant's knowledge of a foreign language, so she decided to test in French, probably the language she felt the most comfortable with. And the third portion was far more subjective and it gave the examiner the opportunity to determine whether this individual was going to fit into the Foreign Service. So it's like an interview kind of stage. Mm-hmm. Swimsuit competition. Swimsuit competition and a talent element. <laughs> <laughs> she played the spoons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was wearing a swimsuit. <laughs> Look, I'm afraid you're just not foreign affairs material. <laughs> Play the washboard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a knife and fork kind of <laughs> Come back next year. Um, so she failed the exam miserably, except for the French portion. She did well there. 
Um, but she was completely undeterred and she immediately made plans to reapply. So did you also fail the geography history part as well? Um, I guess so, yeah. I think so. The second time, yeah, she must have, because the second time she took the test, she passed the written portion with flying colours and obviously the language part she did very well in again. Um, but again, it was the third portion, the interview, in which she was failed. Um, this was 1930. Women had only had the vote for 10 years. There were six foreign service officers who were women at the time out of 1,500. Okay. The odds are stacked against you there, Yeah, so there's, um, you know, you, you, you there's... I don't know if you can speculate that there's sexism at play, but there's definitely that idea of like, well, what are you doing? Um, so, but again, she's not deterred. Um, she was bound and determined that this is what she was going to do. She said to a friend, if I can't get in through the front door, I'm going in through the back door. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hey, we've all. <clears throat> well, there's a will, there's a way. We've all tried stuff. <laughs> Matt's confused. Uh, we'll explain later. Eventually, uh, she was able to land a job as a consular service clerk at the American Embassy in Warsaw in Poland in 1931 because she sort of thought, well, I'll do some other type of job and kind of like work my way in a side way, you know? Yeah, she's gone down the side way. Wow, she's gone from the back door to the side door. It's the side door of the body. Armpit. Ah, of course. I feel like an idiot. Um, from there, she was transferred to Turkey. And again, she was ready to take the foreign service exam. She's like, I'm going to fucking nail it this time. However, an accident that occurred in 1933 set her back from achieving her goal. Oh, dear. Uh, In December of 1933, she and some friends had gone snipe hunting. And while she was climbing over a fence, Okay, you're going to have to. Thank you. Matt and I were both looking at each other like, what the fuck is a snipe? Um, They're like birds that hang out in... Water. Oh my goodness! Not is like that ducks, but anyway, is that where the word sniper comes from? Yes. <laughs> you don't know that. Well, you can't prove I don't know it. I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to assume it's right. Continue. Oh, that's progress. Normally, he would sit there and look it up, wouldn't he? He would. I mean, I'm we'd lose him for ten to fifteen. Ten to fifteen, and then he like irrelevantly later go. I uh, just wanted to say it is where <laughs> sniper comes from. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, um. So while she's climbing over a fence, her shotgun misfired and uh, it, it hit her left foot and, like, tore it to pieces. It was not looking good. Um, her friends managed to get her to a local hospital in time to save her life, but gangrene had already set in on her foot. <sighs> already? Quick, I thought that was a slow thing. Yeah. Like, that happened on a wound. What are we talking about? Are we talking about they walked her there over, like, weeks and months? I don't think it took that long, but... Uh, I mean, it's probably before they could just chuck her in a car or call an ambulance. Yeah, I also don't know, really understand Grand Green at all. I don't Grand know. Green, <laughs> so much so that I, I said don't get it wrong. Grand Green. I don't get, I don't get your Grand Green. <laughs> I thought he said Green Green. <laughs> green Green. Well, like I've got Green Green, but give me the good news. <laughs> When's this going to turn back into ointment? <laughs> I remember hearing about Grand Green as a kid. And thinking like that sounds cool because <laughs> green, green's always been my favourite colour. And you'd be in a gang. <gasps> I want to be in the green gang. <laughs> no, Maddie, it's not a green gang. Ooh. That sounds like cash, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, the green gang. They've done some white-collar crimes. Mm. So, yeah, they've got her to hospital and there was an American doctor there who um, who was treating her and he was forced to amputate her left leg below the knee. Um, this is, I mean, it's the 30s. Medicine's fairly basic. Um, and after her condition stabilised, she transferred to the American hospital in Istanbul. 
uh, in January of 1934, so, you know, a few weeks later. Um, by Feb, she was able to travel back to the US to continue treatment and she went back to her hometown of Baltimore and she was fitted with a custom prosthetic and started to learn how to walk all over again. So she's had to basically start from there. So, and back then the, um, the, the prosthetics would have been like made from, like it was like a hollow wood and I think an aluminium foot. I think I read it, it weighed about seven pounds. Right. Like it's fairly heavy and bulky and they don't fit perfectly so they rub and they're not very comfortable. And yeah. It's fascinating, right, because like at the time that would have been cutting edge yeah. and, and they would have seen it as that way. Like I can't, can you believe this? We're replacing your leg with a, a false leg, right? They've, I think they've been around, prosthetics been around for a while, but yeah. that would have been the cutting edge, right? And we think of the stuff they do now as being amazing in prosthetics. There's a big... Um, prosthetics set up down in uh, Ballarat near us here. Mm. I went there to film something a while ago and I was like, fucking hell, amazing what they do. But you just you can only imagine like in 100 years. How amazing it will is be. Is it going to be, you know, is it going to be Star Wars sort of robotic? Like they're already going that way. Yeah, but you already can make a move, but yeah. Like almost that you can't even tell. Yeah, that's that's probably where it's all moving. Anyway, this is fast. what a it fascinating is. field. Yeah, it's incredible. And I mean, you know, I don't know, I can't. I can't possibly imagine what it would be like, but you'd think back then in the 30s having had an accident and losing half of your leg to be able to walk again is incredible anyway. Yeah. You know, you'd be grateful even though it's not the most comfortable, but you don't know any different. Yeah. Oh, I, I really think it would so depend on your personality. Yeah. If you go, this is great. Like you go, how lucky am I to be here now where I can walk again? Or, or if you'd me? be like me and go... What the fuck did I do that for? How unlucky and ne- am I? Yeah. And think yeah. I'm so unlucky and just be a real sad sack. Yeah. That's what I'd do. Well, I know. Oh. But, yeah, I love hearing stories like what I'm assuming the limping lady is, she's going to go on to fucking smash it. And then mm. I'll remember that when I have, like, some small. You have a cold. <laughs> yeah. And like, Why did this happen to this me? This is not on. <laughs> where, is the, where is the bloody justice in this world? Oh, the humanity. <laughs> Halfway to the comedy festival, don't they know I need to talk? <laughs> that is annoying. I came down with something last week, which you can probably still hear a little bit in my voice, where I couldn't, like my throat just kind of closed over. I work in a call centre and on radio and on a podcast. I couldn't work that day. Yeah. Where's the justice? Where's Where the, justice? the justice? The people need to hear this voice. Take my leg. Leave me my take voice. It. I don't need it. <laughs> is what Jess was saying, That's not me. <laughs> oh, God, not me. Please don't take my leg. Anyway, so she's um, relearned how to walk, and rather than just giving up or closing herself off, like we're saying, she once again decided that she was going to go back um, to her pursuit of foreign service. And she was home for about a year while she recuperated and, um, you know, got better and learned to walk again. Um, a letter arrived politely asking her not to apply for the foreign service again. They simply didn't have room for an amputee. As, oh. a, as a matter of fact, there was a bizarre rule that didn't allow amputees as foreign service officers. That is a bizarre rule. They had to be able-bodied, which is ridiculous. It's very vague as well. Yeah. Or it's not vague, but it's sort of vague in the reverse. So what, if you do a Vincent van Gogh and cut off your ear, can I not work there now? You probably shouldn't if you're Vincent van Gogh, <laughs> to be honest. I don't know if he's up for it. <laughs> yeah. Probably need to be a bit more emotionally stable. 
I think so. Yeah, okay. Anyway, you get but my point. you forget that he was a man. Oh, there's so that. He probably that would have been higher. There it yeah. is. There it is. Yes. Back then, that was seen to be you weren't able-bodied unless you were a man. Mm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Got to be able-bodied. Where's your penis? Fortunately, he hadn't cut that off. <laughs> Fortunately, yeah, fortunately. Only its ears. Whatever that means. That doesn't <laughs> mean anything, does it? <laughs> cut off his dick's ears. Balls? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you think if, so I'm overthinking, aren't so I? So if, <laughs> if the dick and balls is the whole body, that's that becomes the whole body. Right. To you, <laughs> the balls are the ears. Yeah. And then I guess the dick is everything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Am I wrong? It's, got, it's definitely got a little mouth. <laughs> it's got a hat, potentially. <laughs> Neck there. Midsection, um, side obliques. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gotta, gotta really Stop. strengthen that core. <laughs> My parents listen. I will edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> so this time, Virginia's hopes were um, pretty thoroughly dashed. She was, she was quite upset by that. Um, she went on to attend graduate school at American University in Washington, D.C., and when World War II started that year, she ended up in Paris where she joined the ambulance service driving ambulances, which apparently wasn't a problem for her despite her prosthetic leg. She could still drive normally, so she's driving ambulances around um, in Paris. And in May of 1940, when the Nazis invaded France, she managed to escape to England where she was recruited for Britain's newly formed Special Operation Executive also known as the Baker Street Irregulars, Churchill's Secret Army, or the Ministry what? of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Ah, is that the episode you were referring to earlier when you said this yes. is similar? Right. Nah, it was the McDonald's mm. one. Oh, Jen, did, Jen did she know Ray Croc? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was in the um, Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Man, is she That's a World sick. War II badass? She's a World War II badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so the British had been working on intelligence and they'd been uh, watching the Germans very carefully. They were w- well aware of a, a great deal of progress um, that Hitler was making and Churchill knew there was going to be something that, um, that, that there was going to be something special needed for this war should a war occur. They were going to need sabotage, intelligence, surveillance. Oh, it's very exciting. Virginia fit in perfectly. She spoke fluent French and they needed people to go back to France. Um, so, okay, we'll tick it off. She spoke French. She knows the country. America's not yet at war, so she would enter France very easily because she was a, a, oh, yes, a non-combatant. <laughs> Can't say that um, word. But she's just like, she's just an American. It's guys, fine. I'm just an American citizen. I just want to hang out. I'm no no beef with you. I don't have a beef with you. That's fine. Her, We're cool. Her dad wasn't a car used car salesman, was he? No, we he might have talked. We might have talked about her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that one woman, I think, was mentioned at one point. Yeah. Going, but the only description in the report I read was that the daughter of daughter a car, of a car, salesman? car salesman. Yeah, that's right. It was like a, a former Olympian, a very smart scientist, and a daughter of a man. <laughs> <laughs> like, ooh, I'm the daughter of a salesman. That's cool. And the daughter of a man. And the daughter of a man. God, I've got it all. Wow. Um, so yeah, she she was. Um, she was going to fit in nice. So she was trained in how to live undercover. Uh, she was trained in communications, how to run an agent network and surveillance. She went through every single course with all the other men and women. Um, she wasn't given any special disp- dispensation because of her leak. Not that she would have accepted it anyway, but she just did all the same training that everybody else did. The only part she didn't have to take was parachute. 
Um, and that's because because she was an American, she could just wander in to France herself. She didn't have to parachute in like the others. The others <laughs> had to start to sneak in. She could just right. walk across the border and be like, "Hi, I'm American." They'd you, be like, "Come on in." Did you have to practice that? Bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> she had to practice. Like they had like a like a ropes course and stuff, and like a parachuting <laughs> in. And then for her, it was just like g- genuinely a door that she had to knock on and say, "Hello, I'm American," and they just let her in. And they were like, "Again." <laughs> <laughs> no, faster. <laughs> Again, it's raining. <laughs> yeah. She's in the mud. <laughs> Again, <laughs> montage. <laughs> yeah. It's a training montage. <laughs> um, she posed as a reporter for the New York Post and went by the name of Mary. Um, and she was sent to uh, Lyon. Is it Lyon? Lyon. Lyon, I think. Lyon. Beautiful she was, city. She was sent to Lyon. You know, when you have, because I I've, I've went there for a week and it was just the best weather I've ever experienced, basically. So I just, in my head, it always. It's always like that. It's, it's the like deepest that. blue, pure skies. I'm like, that's just, that's Leon. That's even, at, even at night, deepest blue. Deep blue. See, it's funny because I went to Barcelona and got robbed and uh, got quite, got conjunctivitis and eczema. And so now I hate Barcelona. <laughs> That's a shame. One of my friends was like, I'm thinking of going to Barcelona for my honeymoon. Any suggestions? I was like, don't. No. <laughs> Just because I had a crap experience, but she should have a great time. Oh, I've been there three times and I bloody loved yeah, it. I know, I love but it did you well. get robbed in conjunctivitis because you went yes. to La Tomatina? <laughs> no, I didn't. I was got, I booked into La Tomatina but bailed because I decided I don't want to get fucked up. It's it's insane. Is it horrible? Yeah, yeah I don't. It's not I horrible. I can't understand oh. the attraction to it, really. Yeah. Well, I paid I my two hundred three. I paid my two hundred dollars and just didn't get on the bus. Nice. Just slept in. That's a good way to I had do to it. Catch a bus at two a.m. Oh yeah, it was ridiculous. I had to get it to train. <laughs> and the big appeal when I, I went back and read it, and this is when I realised it wasn't me. It was like two a.m. bus ride. We get everyone pumped up. Arrive six a.m. All the sangria you can drink. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not drinking sangria at 6 a.m. This is not me. Sounds oh, great Dave. so far. It sounds really fun. Oh, yeah. I want to go back. I just don't like stickiness. Oh, I'm into everything so else. so sticky. And it rained when I did it too. Oh, God, wash away the stickiness. But it didn't. Oh. And then they won't let you back on the train if you're still tomato-y. So there's just like lines at showers where you try to get everything off yeah. you. And you're just picking tomato off you for the rest of the week. Disgusting. And I love tomato. Oh, I, I it put me off tomato for yeah, a while. Yeah, I bet really? Anyway. And it's you got... my favorite, probably my favorite fruit, almost. Okay, tomato. That's my favorite. Not, yeah, I reckon, I, if you count it, which you, you know it is technically right, but it, it's hard to compare that to a banana. Am I right? Take what? banana as well. Mango. This is a stupid conversation we're having. <laughs> avocado, technically. Yeah, right. I'll take avocado. Oh. I'll put that in the tray with tomato and, and banana. Thank okay. you. Not banana together. smoothie with a with uh, with uh, avocado and tomato on toast, please. Can we have a bit oh. of crumbed feta on it too? Okay. Yeah, the fourth, <gasps> the fourth best fruit. Yeah, feta. <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, she's in uh, Lyon and she set up with a flat and through that flat passed every British spy who arrived in France. She was kind of like their, their gateway sp- starting point, a gateway. Um, they were led to, from Virginia, they were led to other agents. They were handed off to radio operators. They received their equipment counterfeit money they'll put in contact with resistance fighters she was kind of like a she sort of organized everything she's like an admin <laughs> that's so patronizing i mean like she's she's organizing everything it's like an admin who could be murdered at any moment at any moment it's very exciting she's undercover 
Um, so, yeah, her home's sort of like a jumping off point, I guess. And all the while... It's like she... on a cliff or something. Yeah, it's yeah. on a cliff. I was really hoping to say her house was a um, jumping castle. <laughs> no one ever suspects <laughs> a jumping castle. Oh, man, that'd be <laughs> that's fun. Deep. That's deep undercover. The German's like, should we search the jumping castle, sir? Oh, no, don't bother. It's a family of clowns. That didn't, that didn't sound <laughs> yeah. very German, Dave. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we searched the jumping castle, yeah. (laughs) Much better. Thank you, yeah. (laughs) I say yeah. This is my favourite bit too. All the while, she was writing her newspaper articles to be shipped back to the United States, which were actually being published. What? So she was actually working as a newspaper reporter. She's actually... That's like her day job. Do they know the newspaper that she's... I don't know. Isn't that amazing? So she's actually writing articles. She's not just pretending to be a reporter. She's that's actually reporting. That's awesome. But she's like getting feedback from the editor that, that's like, look, too long. We need you to cut that yeah. down a little bit. And she's like, look, I don't have much time because I'm mainly like dealing with every agent in France. It's ridiculous. That's that's great. Hmm. That like now you would have to because people would be able to check if you're an, a journalist in a big New York paper or not by Googling you. But back then she probably could have got away with it, right? Maybe, I don't know. But I, would it be worth the risk? Yeah. Even if they just had someone back there pretending they were doing it for her or something. But I like this. She's yeah. a real bloody Clark Kent type. She's cool. It'd be great if she wasn't a good writer, though, and they had to keep publishing. But, oh, my <laughs> God. That's for the That's for the national interest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And the, the British government are like, look, you can't edit anything out of it. Like, if she misses an apostrophe, just leave it. Just leave it. It's fine. Don't it's worry like, about it. It's like it. killing the editor. Jess, speaking of apostrophes, if I could just interrupt you for one momento. One momento. I'm looking forward to how he makes apostrophes work here. (laughs) As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. If it's your first ever website or your business is expanding... Not in a way that's like, oh, my God, it's expanding like yeah, yeah. More physically. Like it's growing more customers, yes. more interest. Not like it's going to explode. Yeah, not like it's a building that's like blowing up and yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And I don't think they mean for marriage. You can sell your products on an online store, whether you sell physical or digital products or you offer services like massage. 
or oh. nails oh my gosh. or uh, consulting. Should we after this get mani-pedis? <laughs> Babe, I've already booked us in. <laughs> um, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. You know, what about blogging tools you yeah. might be asking? I like to blog. I love to blog. I like to blog. I like to vlog. Yes. Well, Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos and updates. You can categorize, you can share and schedule to make your content work for you. Scheduling is the best. Oh, yeah. it looks like Jess has just uploaded something. What it? But it's like 3 a.m. in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the exact time I wanted to do it in New York City, baby. Exactly. Capture that New York market. Yeah. You mentioned vlogging as well. If you're into vlogging, you can organize your video library, showcase your content on beautiful video pages, sell access to your videos with member areas. The possibilities are endless. Now head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. And speaking of American history, which I have been... And we'll continue to. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> I like that twist. So while she's um, writing a newspaper reports um, undercover, but uh, that was all fine until the United States was bombed in December of 1971. That's not That's not correct at all. 1941. December 7th, 1941. Yeah. Remember, I know. remember that date that Dave just said. <laughs> yep. Um, all of a sudden she was no longer a non-combatant. She was now a citizen of a country at war. And uh, she had to be much more careful. Um, coinciding with that time, a new man had arrived at the headquarters of the just—I always say it wrong—Gestapo. Gestapo. Gestapo. <laughs> I'll start that again. Gestapo. <laughs> coinciding with that time, a new man had arrived at the headquarters of the Gestapo um, by the name of Klaus Barbie, which are the German secret police at the time. Yes, but he was later known as the Butcher of Lyon. What's his name? Klaus Barbie. Right. It's fucking... We talked about the butcher of another place in the uh, in the Gentlemanly Warfare episode. Where was he the butcher of? Doesn't matter. There's <laughs> a few, a few butchers in the, in the Nazis. It's a bad time mm. or good time. For butchers. For butchers, For depending butchers. on your perspective. Yeah. Mine heard... is bad. Interesting. He'd heard a lot about uh, espionage and intelligence that was leaking out of the city, and through his connections they said it could be either a Canadian or a British woman. So they put up posters with her likeness, and someone had also mentioned that she had a limp, so they began looking for the lady with a limp. Um, posters wow. went up all over the city with her face on them. And, she and realized, does it actually look like her? I think it was it was a likeness. It was pretty good. It's a, so they knew so much about her but not who she was. So how do they get such, like, intel where yeah. they're like, it's a limping lady, looks exactly like this, she's here all the time. She lives um, at this address, she's she writing writes. articles, <laughs> yeah. But she just told me it wasn't her. Yeah. So I keep door knocking. <laughs> Can't be Mary. Um, so she realises it's it's time to go. Um, she had to use uh, her own escape route that she'd been sending so many men across in the wintertime. So she'd been sending men uh, across um, this. It was like a 30-mile or 48-kilometre trek across the Pyrenees Mountains into Spain. Um, keep in mind she's hiking through snow with a wooden prosthetic leg. Oh, my goodness. For 48 kilometres. Um, she'd given her artificial foot its own nickname. Colin. Terence. Cuthbert. Ooh. Colin wasn't bad. Were you thinking of my car? Yep. 
<laughs> Who's such a good boy, little Colin? Um, so uh, while on this trek, she was able to radio uh, back to London to the SOE and she signalled to them that she hoped Cuthbert would not give her any trouble on the way. And the SOE, not understanding the reference, replied, if Cuthbert is troublesome, eliminate him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. She's so like, who, oh. I wonder who they thought Cuthbert was. Yeah, like, okay. Um, it's going to be a problem. I love that. Also, the idea they don't know who Cuthbert is. Do they know if Cuthbert's listening? <laughs> Cuthbert's yeah. in the camp. They just hear, if Cuthbert's a shit, ca- sh- shit dog, kill him. Cuthbert's like, are they talking about me? I'm right here. What the hell? She was joking. I'm not giving her any trouble. I swear. Jeez. It'll be good. But uh, no. eliminate him. Take off that leg and throw it away. Um, when she arrived in Spain, she was immediately imprisoned because she didn't have the appropriate entry papers. And after about six weeks in prison, she was finally released and made her way back to England. Uh, she was ready to go back to France and start again, but the SOE executives wouldn't allow it. She was now a wanted woman, and it was too risky and dangerous to send her back. Plus, we've got a new operative. His name is Cuthbert. <laughs> he's, he's doing many things you couldn't. He's wily, <laughs> but God, he's effective. <laughs> they offered her a desk job, and they said that maybe in the future there might be a chance for her to do more field work. Um, it does make sense that they couldn't send her back to the place she'd just had to escape. That no. makes sense. Totally. Um, I mean, they've got a uh, like a wanted poster with her face on it. Yeah, it's pretty big. Pretty big country, though. France. Maybe she could have gone somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she also speaks German. Maybe she could have. Go. She speaks Italian. Go there. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, anyway, during this time that the, during the time that she'd been in France, the American intelligence organization had been developed called the Office of Strategic Services. It was similar to that of Britain, uh, with one exception that it was an all American. Uh, headed by a World War One ace by the name of General William Donovan. He decided he needed people with other skills, so he began recruiting circus performers, counterfeiters and thieves. Virginia was taken on immediately as a new recruit. Um, Which category did she fall into? Uh, counterfeiters was a side hobby of hers. Uh, no, I don't know. I'm joking. Oh, my Dave. God. I, well, this woman is so <laughs> in May amazing that that could have been a side hustle for her, no, she's counterfeiting. Just, she's just, I mean, she's so useful because she speaks all these languages and she's so resourceful and she's already had all this amazing training. She didn't really need uh, much more training. They, they didn't have to do much with her, although she did insist on being trained in radio because uh, she felt that it was going to be very necessary for her to do it. She knew FM was about to take off. And that's where it is, baby. Brecky Radio. That's where the big bucks are. Yeah. Um, She knew it would be necessary to do her own radio transmitting. Apparently, radio transmitters or radio operators were the ones who would be kidnapped the most often. Um, So she thought, well, if I'm with a radio operator and they're gone, I need to be able to communicate. Right. I imagine back then it would have been a lot more complicated than just... Pressing a button? Yeah. Mm, Yeah, you also have to say something like... Roger Dodger. <laughs> so if you don't know that. And over Dover. Yeah. Exactly. If you just say Roger and you don't say Dodger, mm-hmm. they, they won't they, even listen to your message. They, they kill just Cuthbert. Wait. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's eliminate, a very complicated system. Eliminate Cuthbert to Roger Dodger. <laughs> Sorry. What am I doing to Roger? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, Dodger. Um, however, there was still the issue of the posters all over France with her face on them. Um, so she needed a disguise. Oh, fake mustache. <laughs> Not far off. Uh, she dyed her brown hair grey and wore old clothing. She took the cover of an elderly woman. Oh. She's in like her 30s. Right, but she's stage. trying to look quite she's old. She's playing a 60-something-year-old. Well done. 
as her cover, which kind of worked with the limp. She just kind yeah, of. I suppose you could just be like, "Look, I've just got a, an old war wound from the first." Yeah, war. she just kind of adopted it, uh, more of like a shuffle, like a, like an old person would do. Like and soft shoe shuffle. Soft shoe shuffle. Is that a thing? It is now. <laughs> Why are your shoes soft? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> she and her husband, who was another agent in disguise, walked for over two and a half hours to a small village uh, in France, and they found a farmhouse. And in exchange for rent of the of a cottage on the farm, uh, uh, Virginia was to work at the farmhouse, cooking for the family, um, taking their cows to pasture in the morning, and then retrieving them each evening. Um, and it was then in the evening that her real work began. So the suitcase she carried since landing in Britain contained a type of uh, three Mark II transmitter. She used the set to transmit messages to the London OSS office, giving coordinates of large fields she located during the day while she was moving the cows around to observe parachute drops for agents. Oh. Yeah, she's pretty sneaky. One morning, though, while making her way through the town, she saw a small crowd gathered, and as she got closer, she saw three people dead hung from iron fences. And there were Nazi soldiers there who stood guard and uh, held villagers at bay with rifles and said the bodies would remain as a reminder to all those who dared resist. Oh, my God. Mm. So that night she sent her final message to London from the cottage. Um, Its meaning would be understood by few, and those few would would be on a need-to-know basis. And her message was... The wolves are at the door. That's a cool message. Over Dover. Look, if the wolves give you trouble, eliminate them. <laughs> Look, you're I not really understanding this. You keep just asking us really simple questions. <laughs> just, just kill Cuthbert. Eliminate. Eliminate the wolves. <laughs> don't. I mean, don't let them in, no matter how politely they <laughs> ask. I know. Uh. Lock the door. What are they brought? A casserole? Doesn't matter. They're wolves. Classic wolves. They always bring in casseroles. We'll eat you, then the casserole. It smells amazing. Mm, does it? All right, worth a try. <laughs> Roll the Let dice. In. Um, so she uh, she left, and she was ready for her next mission. Um, and in fact, she was about to be sent back into Vienna when the war ended for good in Europe in May of 1945. And along the way, she'd met a Frenchman, Paul Gaston. Golo, I don't know how to say his last name. And they married in 1950. He was also a, a spy. Wait, is this second husband or is this the husband you were talking about before? Oh, oh, no, no, that was before husband was just... inverted commas. Oh. I even Secret said agent. husband oh. and I said another agent in disguise. Oh. When you did that thing, I thought you meant don't worry about anything else I ever say. But that you meant inverted commas. Yeah. When well, you... That gets me interested in online courses. <laughs> So you can understand body language. Body language more? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, President Truman in the US decided that the OSS was not necessary and he disbanded it earlier in 1946. But shortly thereafter, he thought better of his decision and created another intelligence organization, which ultimately became known as the Central Intelligence Agency, <gasps> the CIA. Um, and as you can imagine, Virginia was right front in line to join and was immediately recruited. Um, she was eager. She was very willing to be retrained. But the CIA wanted fresh young agents for field work. She's in her forties by now. Um, she was given a desk job, and a lot of work she did for the CIA is still classified. So we don't really know exactly what she was doing in that time. Right. But that's I find that kind of cool in itself. We still don't know. We still don't really know what she was up to. Um, 
She accepted mandatory retirement at the age of 60 in 1966, and she and her husband, Paul, retired to a farm in Maryland where they raised poodles and they gardened and they did crossword puzzles. Well, what was she really doing in the farmhouse? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, if this is a movie, she's going deeper undercover Yeah. Yeah, she's got like, uh, it's like, um, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, where they've both got guns hidden around the house, just in elaborate places, like hers are in the kitchen and stuff. It's like that, I imagine. Only hers are in farm animals. (laughs) (laughs) See this pig? It's got a zip in its back. I like how you said she accepted mandatory retirement, like... Mandatory means is it's optional, and she accepted. <laughs> Thank you. You have one option. I accept. I feel like she was a type that would never have retired. You know, right. she'd still be going now. Um, however, I'd retire. I'd totally retire. Oh yeah, I'd retire now. <laughs> if I had the opportunity to retire, I'm done. See ya. Oh, that's not. No, I'd get bored and I'd get sad. Um, Virginia died in 1982 at the age of 76. Um, 82. Yeah, you just missed her. We bloody missed her, guys. <laughs> She's gone. There's some weird thing I enjoy when um someone who seems like is from forever ago crosses over my life a little bit. I'm like, you're alive wow. at the same time. Yeah. Imagine the same planet. <laughs> she um she didn't talk a lot about um like her life and what she'd done. She was fairly quiet and I suppose Humble about that, for want of a better word. She was remembered as one saying that a lot of her friends had been killed by talking too much, so she kept a very low profile, didn't say too much about her career. It was actually really hard to find much information about her. I had to go to so many different resources. You know how normally you can just you find something really good and that can sort of be the, the, the skeleton of your report and then you sort of pull other bits from it? I, I had to go everywhere because there's not a lot of information about it. It was really hard. Are we going to get murdered for talking about her? Is this podcast classified? I don't think so. I think it's fine. Um, I wanted to mention a couple of awards that she's been granted as well before I finish up. Any guesses, Dave? Uh, EGOT, perhaps? Farmhouse of the Year. Farmhouse of the Year. Um, (laughs) Which is, of course, a prestigious award. It's a... It's actually called a FIGOT. It's the FIGOT. FIGOT. Farmhouse of the Year, the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Et cetera. Whatever. Um, for her efforts in France, General William Joseph uh, Donovan yeah, in 1945 personally awarded her a distinguished, a distinguished Service Cross, the only one awarded to a civilian woman in World War II. That's pretty cool. Um, pres- the only one, amazing. The only one. And President Truman wanted a public award, for, like a, a ceremony for this medal, but she objected, stating she was still operational and most anxious to get busy. She's like, I'm too busy for that. <laughs> no, thank that. you. Anxious to get busy, aren't we all? (laughs) Put that on my Twitter profile. (laughs) Doing a Dave laugh. That's a good Dave. Just doing a good Dave. People at home would have thought, wait, isn't that Dave doing a Dave laugh? (laughs) That's me. That's me. (laughs) This is me. (laughs) Matt, have a go. (laughs) (laughs) You can't quite do it. You're too deep. Do your low one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best one. Is that it? Yeah, that kills me. The count from Sesame Street. One. Ah, 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 ah. ah. It's just tonally on the same same scale. And uh, she was also made an honorary member of the Order of the British Empire, uh, MBE. So she's quite an impressive lady. And that is my report on Virginia Hall, the limping lady. How very cool. And I will also say that 
possibly this could be the second in a triptych of incredible limping women, starting with Frida Kahlo. Oh, oh. yeah, okay. We've just got to find a third limping lady. Yes, but amazing lives. Both of the people obviously got yeah. very injured young in their live, mm. lives and uh, just didn't let that stop them from doing whatever the hell they wanted. Yeah. I'm amazing. sure. The drive yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Is there a, there's no, there hasn't been a biopic or biopic, biopic? Surprisingly, no. Not that I could find. I could barely even find docos about her on like YouTube and stuff to get more information. There's a couple of books written. A lot of the information I've, I've been able to find was from a video I saw of a, a talk by the author of one of the books. Right. I went into a fair bit of detail, which was very convenient for me because otherwise I was. She just started reading the book. Many. Financially a stupid decision, but um, uh, really good for us. Yeah. <laughs> Just gave it out for free. So, yeah, it was um, – but, yeah, I, 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 actually, I think I did read that there would be – maybe from late last year there's talks of a movie about Sounds it. Sounds like there, there would be a should be, right? blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, yeah, that's my report. So good. Thank very, you. Very, very good. The limping lady. So that was uh, <laughs> the James Bond theme song. <laughs> that was suggested by Rowan Clayton and, and Kevin Packrad. Thank Kevin you, Rowan and Kevin. Packard. Thank you so Packard's much. Packrad's such a sick name. It's pretty cool. Hey, I hope I've, I'm saying it right. <laughs> I reckon you bloody are. Thank you. And if you like Rowan and Packrad would like to suggest a topic, maybe something because I'd never heard of this lady. I've got to admit, and I'm glad I have now. So. Often the best ones are stuff we've never heard of. So you know of a cool cracking tale, a person or an event or something, you can uh, get in contact or submit directly to that via the uh, Google Doc that's linked in the description of this episode. Tell us why it's cool and we'll probably do it. I um, just totally blanked on the thing I was going to say. <laughs> okay. It's real good though. Great contribution. Yeah, thank you for starting that sentence. <laughs> You got, I was, because I saw you on this docker we're both looking at, you just wrote Apartment 3. And that totally, I just, it exploded whatever train of thought I was on. Are you on a train of thought? Or are you in a train? Oh, okay. Of thought? You're we always need on to get a train. Matt to bed. He's tired. I'm very tired. Let's thank. Uh... Oh, maybe this is what I was going to say. On our Patreon, mm. uh, which I think just about to talk about, we. Um, we just hit a big target. So we are now going to be doing two bonus Patreon episodes per month starting from next month. Starting which from I am April. Pumped about. So every fortnight-ish, we're a bit loose on the exact timing of those because it can depend on scheduling, but something like every fortnight-ish, mm. there'll be a, a new bonus episode. So that's right. So it actually makes our Patreon, we're not upping the price or anything, it just makes it twice as worth your while to uh, submit uh, your sweet, sweet cash. Yeah. <laughs> submit, Give us your money. <laughs> submit your cash. <laughs> Submitted uh, and it will be approved. We will approve <laughs> that application. Oh, yeah, so to two, give us the cash. Two episodes if you want to support us at patreon.com slash do go on pod. How cool. Yes. Now, this week I think we should, you know how we always give like, we give funny things to the people we thank. Uh, is it, did you say funny? Was that in inverted commas? I don't know um, anymore. Um, I think, I think this it time should be probably. We should give funny. them nicknames like the limping lady. Okay, great. Right, so the limping something. No, it doesn't. Okay, it doesn't have to be limping. Okay. Be so anything. the something lady. The, okay. Oh, dear. Okay. So something, the something limping something. lady. No, oh, dear. Oh, my God. So, so big limping lady. doesn't I'll, have to be the. I'll no, have a go. A limping lady. I'll have a go and then you'll see. Oh, I go from there. Do you no. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, thank a couple. 
Go for it. I don't know if they're a couple, to be honest. I might not even oh know each God. other. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to thank, if I can, from Ridgecrest, California. Ridgecrest, California. <laughs> Stephen Shaw Durges Jr. What? Oh, I love an American junior. Yes. And if he has a child, it's something, something, the third. So good. So Stephen Shaw Durges the thirds. Oh! <laughs> and they call the dad senior. Very oh, that's good. So cool. Very good. And sometimes indeed. I'll just get just get called junior by the family. Yeah, that's good. Which is a shame in this case, because surely you'd be like, "Hey, Stephen, sure, Durgis, Junior." Wouldn't it be a waste to just be like, "Hey, Junior"? <laughs> Thumbs down, you say, Stephen Shaw. So, what do you reckon about? What do you, What do you think Stephen would be? Would he be a limping lady or beer limping lady? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say Stephen Shaw, Durgis Junior. The lurking lad. Oh, oh. so it's got to be an L alliteration. Oh my god, I hate both of you. Well, you the... both understand, also, and you're being smart, Alex. Freaking Stephen's <laughs> loving being called the lurking lad. It's not a bad thing. It's sounds not, it's a not necessarily little... a bad lurk. Sounds creepy. Oh, that's not my fault, is it? Um, you should stop. I mean, looking. you're you're entirely responsible for what, it. Did either of you want to have a go? The lovely lad. All right, fine. Lovely lad. The larrikin listicle. Okay, don't waste them all. We've got for more oh, yeah. people to get through. Come on, let's sit on that gold. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on, let's get another it one. It hurts to sit on the gold. Who else you got? I'd also love uh, to thank, if we can, from the ACT, our very own Capital Territory, Mr. Matt Duncan. Oh. Matt Duncan. The Dirty Digger. Oh, the Dirty Digger. Okay. I like that. So they got the War Memorial there. Is that what you're going for, Canberra? Yeah. The dirt is like a literal dirt because he's digging trenches. (laughs) Matt Duncan, the Dirty Digger. Dirty Digger. He was one that just, buddy, he didn't have a shower. (laughs) No matter how much his buddy army mates, his battalion, his battalion. Battalion. His battalion. Mm -hmm. Demanded of him, he said, "No, I'm focusing all my energy on one thing." But he getting us okay. to the top of the chops. I'm going to cut you off. There, oh yes, yeah. he was also, right near a pile of chops. I would also like to thank to a couple. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'd also like to thank a couple of people, if I may. Um, from Dallas, Texas. Oh, have been through your airport, running Ooh. at breakneck speed because the travel agent booked the flights too close together. <laughs> All right. Yeah, blame the travel agent. Oh, I, but I got the um. Yeah, blame the travel agent. Oh, I will. All these punches down. I though. would like to thank Matt Alexander. Oh, the charismatic cowboy. Hey! <laughs> See, you're getting it. I did enjoy. I got onto the plane, and uh, a lot of people were wearing cowboy hats. Yes. Oh. I'm from Dallas to Mexico City. Okay. That's their that's their football team, the Cowboys, and that's why they wear the hats because they're there to support their team. Right. I just thought they were it's radio mer- men. No, no, it's merchandise. Oh, right. No one actually is a cowboy. They're mythical <laughs> creatures. Well, I did decide that they probably just couldn't put the the, the cowboy hats. Obviously, you've been to Texas, so you, you buy one of those as like a souvenir, but you can't put it in, the, in your suitcase. It'll get crushed, so you have to wear it on the plane. Of course. Them. I love them hats. So thank you to Matt Alexander. I'd also like to thank from my favourite place in the world, Ireland, from Wexford. 
I'd like to thank Owen Fitzpatrick. Oh, great name. Very oh. good name. The... The Irritable Irishman. Oh, very good. That's right. He has a very short fuse. Yep, but you keep tickling him. <laughs> and that's irritating him. It irritates. Thank you, Owen Fitzpatrick. Owen Fitzpatrick, great name. Fitzpatrick. Great person. Best person. That's weird. We're, we're on the hottest streak of great people ever since we started reading out patron names. It's great, isn't it? Every we're... single one we've read out has been a fucking legend. Yep, agreed. But that stops now. Oh, no. <laughs> no, this next name <laughs> belongs to someone who lives in Victoria. But not Australia. this Victoria where <gasps> we live. British Columbia, baby. Woo! I would like to thank all the way over in Canada. Thanks for supporting the show. Darcy Williamson. Oh, Darcy's good. Oh, okay, you both look at me. Uh, okay. Darcy the Dancing Dame. Ooh. The Dancing Dame. Dancing Dame. Yep. I like that. Dane or Dame? Both. <gasps> oh, oh, a Danish Dame. Yep. The Dancing Danish Dame. Yep. Sounds delicious. Dancing delicious. Dancing Dame. No, you're thinking of Danish, oh. like the food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what we're all talking about. Yeah, isn't that what we're all talking about? <laughs> Uh, who else? And finally, I would like to thank. We're going to finish on a high note. When I thank from Oakland, CA, California, in the USA, can we please tip our hats to Jason Bull? Jason, Jason Bull. Bull. Jason Bull. I want. I want to say Bucking Bronco, but that's a, that's that's too much of a thing already. Jason he des- Bull. He deserves more. And this guy, he's he's a frequent tweeter. What about um, um... Oakland? They're the Raiders. They're the, that's their football team. Does that help you? No. <laughs> but because he's a bull. Yes. Michael Jordan played for the Chicago Bulls. Yes. But before that. Oh, my God, no. He played North Carolina. That's right. How about Jason Bull, the Carolina college man? Huh? I mean, it's a long bow. It's a long bow, and I can't help but feel disappointed for the <laughs> bull himself. But let's go for it. Yeah, we didn't have anything better. Look, I mean, I just... it could have been the California, you know, the Californian king. He's actually from California. No, but that's not how this stuff works. That's true. That's You've got to not... get so far away from the name you can't even remember how yeah. you got the nickname. Yeah. What about the Californian clown? Because clowns distract the bulls once the they've bucked. Oh! Someone off. Okay. Yeah, I like right. that. So let's take that one step further. We'll give. There's options there. He can choose which one of these he least hates. I love it. That's very generous. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone. Almost as generous as Jason Bull himself. <laughs> thank what you, a bloody legend, Jason. To Bull. all of you legends for supporting the show, it means a lot to us, and we love you all equally. That's right. It's a lot of love to give to spread amongst because there's so many of you now that support through the Patreon, which warms our tiny but hearts. But also not enough of you. Just saying. Yeah, okay. There's always room for more. There is room for more. <laughs> there is. We are well, actually, funnily enough, um, I did have a look and we are up to now 57% of the way to our American tour goal on Patreon. That is a specific amount. Where we can actually come to California. Yes. I'd be the California clowns. That's yes. fine. I really, when we put that up, I thought that was a pipe dream, but it, it's slowly becoming a reality. It's not that far off, surely. So exciting. And I think we're going to try and work on, because there is still a little ways to go to that, we'll try and work on another bridging goal in between if anyone's got any ideas. 
um, but we might we might put up another goal somewhere between here and yes, there. Yes, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, great idea. So it's good to have goals on the horizon. It's always good to have goals. Maybe just to get a face tattoo after no. a little. Yes, she and got then such after... a little tattoo last time. I reckon it's time to step it up. Face, <laughs> I think it should go face tattoo, American tour. Then the third goal will be removing Jess's face tattoo yeah. in America. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, that'd be nice. But yeah. like we'll have to have like ten thousand patrons. Okay. Um. So you'll you'll have that tattoo for a couple of decades. I didn't. I mean, I didn't agree to any of that. We'll exhume your body and then remove the yep. tattoo. Just take off the skin. No. Yuck. Anyway, uh, now you've made me uncomfortable. Okay, well, <laughs> our job here is done. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Get in contact at any time uh, via email, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All the stuff is in the description of this episode. But until next week, we will say please buy tickets to our Melbourne Comedy Festival shows. And until then, we'll say goodbye. Later. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. It's not optional. You have to do it. (laughs) We used to go easy on it, but now you have to. Yeah. Yeah.